Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I am honored to be on today with Dr. Sam Collins from H.J. Ross Company. Sam, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Josh, for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be here and share some information with all the, the people who are listening on coding, billing, documentation. That's what we do. Our company, H.J. Ross Company, has done seminars for over 40 years. We are the place to go for ethical coding and billing, documentation, all the things that deal with sending out a bill, making sure it's paid, but also making sure it's documented well. Yeah, well, documentation equals dollars, right? I mean, uh, if, it's done, if it's done improperly, you're going to be chasing dollars. And if it's done well, you get that money a little bit faster. Yeah, my goal is one and done. I don't like doctors having to go back, redo notes. And when I say redo, meaning doing them later, do them as the patient comes in. <laughs> well, I'm glad you understand how we actually work, right? right uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to get to those uh, today. Oh, wait, uh, I got to get to the soccer practice. So I'll do them tomorrow. Uh, ah, crap. You know, five days later, they're still sitting there. So. Still, and then you do them. And then, of course, they're not as good because the information is not as fresh. Right. You mix up right and left and other pertinent information and go from there. Well, a lot of people are probably wondering why I have Sam on. And, you know, one thing I know about Sam, we sent our employer, uh, our employee, our person handling coding and billing over to uh, one of Sam's seminars a few years back. And uh, basically she came back saying, I think we're leaving quite a bit of money on the table. We, we figured it was somewhere between 15 and 20%. And I don't know what you see normally, but, uh, you know, we were, there were certain codes we weren't using at all that uh, you had said to uh, start using. And there were certain uh, ways to uh, add some modifiers and whatnot to help us out. But what do you see um, out there? You know, what, what do you see most chiropractors kind of leaving on the table? I think there's always money there that they don't get from the insurance company. Um, but what do you guys see with your well, analysis of the industry? I would see one of the things that we see is just doctors not coding for their services or making a decision of what services are important to code or others. Every chiropractor probably does a myriad of services at times that they do some things almost complimentary, like, okay, I just added that in a few minutes. Okay, no big deal. But my thing is that the things that really affect care, like no doctor is going to give away manipulation. No doctor is going to give away an x-ray. And I say no doctor should be giving away their services, particularly when it comes to active care. If you look at any insurance guideline, any guideline when it comes to back pain or care, it all relates that manipulation is really one of the best services you can provide. But however, manipulation with exercise. And if you think of it, chiropractors have always emphasized the active part of care. No patient comes in, gets adjusted and say, that's it. There's always discussion of, let's make sure you go home, stretch your hamstrings, do some walking. And that time you spend with the patient, whether they're doing exercise in the office or counseling on it, is billable. So the area I see where they really lose money is just simply not coding for their time. And that time has a value. Whether or not sometimes doctors want to understand that, I would just say most patients need active rehab. And if you're not billing it, that's probably at least at some part of the care, 40 to $60 per visit that they're missing just for one unit. Now you're not saying a total collection of 46, you're saying an additional 40 to 60 that they're just not asking for. Exactly. No, that, that's in addition to, so let's say you're doing manipulation and some type of passive care. The exercise has a higher value. So by example, active care are things that you actively do with the patient, such as exercises, therapeutic activities, even neuromuscular education. Those codes alone, the relative value of those codes 
are higher than a standard one to two area manipulation. So by example, let's say an insurance is reimbursing you on the low end, 40 to $50 for a 98940. The value of exercise or therapeutic activities is about 10% higher. So if they're paying you 40 for that code, it's about 45 for the other we're leaving on the table. And I bet most chiros are probably doing some level of exercises in the office, yet don't understand that they can bill for it. And more importantly, that is really the thing that makes a patient better. So, you know, just taking it from the standpoint of let's have the best patient protocols. Exercise is one of the best patient protocols. It's also one of the higher billed services. So I like how that works. It's nice to have something that pays the highest value also be the thing that gives the patient the most benefit. Right, because then everybody wins, right? I mean, we're winning with a, a, a decent amount of collections and they're winning with great care. And I think, uh, like you said, time has value. In fact, in, in a chiropractic setting, the only thing you have is time. I mean, you can't, uh, one of the downsides is the inability to work with, you can't work with 10 patients at the same time, right? Well, exactly. You, you can only see one. And right. so that, that time has a value. And so by example, I'll give you, the, the Cigna produces what's called their chiropractic um, coding policy. And in this coding policy, what they emphasize is that patients should get into active care as soon as possible because it has shown the best outcomes. And it says you should limit the amount of passive care. Now, what I read into that, Josh, is this. They're basically saying don't use long-term, cheaper, passive services, but in fact, go to more active, more expensive. And what I say to that is, of course I would, you know, from a, a pure business standpoint, but let's talk about it just from a patient protocol. Obviously, a person is injured or has pain, they're going to have muscle atrophy, weakness, and other things that cause instability. We're going to restore that with exercise. That's a billable service and pays the most money. So I love how basically Cigna is saying, don't use the cheap passive care, use the active care because it works better. So I kind of question, we fight for tons of passive care. There's a big push in our profession to do a lot of manual therapy and massage, which I'm not against, but those can be difficult to get paid for. Exercise is very easy to define. Exercise is very easy to demonstrate. Exercise is very easy to see an outcome. And it's something that I think we all are adver uh, not adverse to. Again, I would bill for it, make sure you have the right protocols, but it's a highly reimbursed service. But most important, your patients have the best response. If you go to the Journal of Manipulative Therapeutics, they've done two pretty good studies over the last year and a half that basically demonstrated what we all know. Patients who get exercise as part of their protocol do much better than patients who don't. So if, if somebody listening right now just had the world basically uh, uh, like they started having tunnel vision, their, their ears were going fuzzy because they realized that they're leaving a ton of money on the table here because they're not pushing active care enough. And they believe in that. And they want to learn more about what you just said about the uh, Cigna chiropractic guidelines or whatnot. Where can they find this information and find you? Can you throw out your we, website so they can? Yeah, we can come to our website. We do actually have a few things. We have our seminars, of course. So if you go to HJ Ross Company and just company spelled in full.com, click under seminars, and we have seminars across the United States. And we do coding and billing that's specific to the state that we are in. We do obviously cover the surrounding states as well, but we're very specific because obviously certain plans in certain regions cover differently. And so we want to make sure to understand the nuance, but so our seminars I'm, deal with that very specifically. So we can go in and say, these are the codes that are covered. This is how they cover it, why they cover it. We also offer, for instance, our digital coding. So obviously we're all aware, just as we're doing this now all online, no one is going out purchasing a code book. I don't think, the Cairo code book is a great book, but who's purchasing that today? No one, because who's going to carry that book around 
when it's online. So we do our digital coding online. And the beauty of our digital coding, what we do is we do have a list of all the diagnosis codes, but we also have a very vast document library. And in the document library, you can go in there, you can pull up insurance company protocols and guidelines. And under that, we have that complete Cigna document. And what's cool about the Cigna document, it explains all that, but gives you what codes they do or do not pay for. So therefore, when someone comes in, you're gonna have a good idea of, okay, if they've got a certain condition, I'm obviously not going to be able to get reimbursed because they don't cover that one. But you'd also know which ones they do, plus all the factors that we just spoke of. And, and of course, along with that, we also do a network service where when someone joins, it gives them access to just call me directly, send me an email or by fax if they prefer. On all issues comes to coding and billing. So if they get an issue where they're being denied or have to document, I can help them to show here. Here's how you do it properly. Here's how the time codes work. Here are the things you're going to need to demonstrate the exercise. What type of documentation will you need? Do you need pictures? Can you have descriptions? All those things. So we offer it three ways. Seminars, the network, and our digital coding. Awesome. And so with the seminars, I just want to make sure that, that we cover this. If you're given a seminar in, because you're based in Arizona, but if you give one in California, it covers the codes that affect California. Right? Yeah, actually, we're actually I'm based in California, but we. Oh, okay. do, so when we go to you know when we're in California, we it's California. When we go to Oregon, it's Oregon. But however, when we're in California, what we do is we keep as people register. So if we have people from outside states, we then make sure that they know. Okay, here's the nuance for California. Here's what's a little different in your state because there are variations from state to state. There's a lot of consistency, but there's also some things that are specific to one state to the other, hence why our seminars also are continuing education. By example, we're going to have a seminar in Hawaii, believe it or not, in uh, September. Heartbreaking, Sam. I, I hope yeah, you make it through, buddy. Oh, it's oh my God. But what we have when we have this is an ability that when we're there, we're going to cover, if you're coming from Alaska, we'll have Alaska material. So that way, if someone's coming out of state, I tell them, don't be fearful. If you're coming from out of state, we're going to cover your state specifically as well as give you information that's nuanced. Because like, for instance, Medicare changes and varies from state to state. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that if someone's coming from a state that's not the California one for Medicare, we give them for that one. So it's really something that you don't have to be fearful that, oh, is this seminar only for a particular one? No, it's pretty universal, but it also deals with the nuance. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I love, I love what you guys do because not, you know, one of the downsides or difficulties, I guess, in private practice is when it's just you, you can't aggregate enough to information to really solve any problems, right? You don't see the trends and whatnot, but H.J. Ross Company or you are, are really putting all that together, right? When you're looking at multiple providers, asking the same question from the same state, I know you guys kind of dive into that information and, and analyze what's really going on, right? Well, absolutely. Because the thing that we, um, that we deal with specifically is this, that we have about a thousand members of our network. And on that network, I get calls, emails every day that if something comes up and it happens, you know, there's one, that just could be an issue for that. But all of a sudden we'll start noticing, uh oh, this is occurring. Like for instance, in Illinois right now, there's a big issue with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois not paying for exams and for manual therapy massage without modifiers and more information. So we're able to get on that right away and know what's going on. So we can provide the information. Okay, here's how you solve it. Here's what you have to do. And so we can catch kind of those things happening in real time and not waiting months and months later because often a lot of information is very stale. And so what we try to do is stay on top of things that's not old, but what's occurring today. Because in real time, I'll have calls today that'll deal with an issue like, oh, here's what's going on. For instance, when the audits were occurring, we knew that well before and we were able to prepare our seminars to get doctors ready to resolve that because we already knew what was occurring before the bulk of the uh, providers became aware of it. Wow, that gave them a little bit of peace of mind, right? Because 
I know a lot of people were operating the, the fear of, you know, this big, huge monster that could be coming after you. And you, uh, I'm sure that you told them, here's, here's all you need to be aware of and not to be so scared if, as long as you have your ducks in a row, right? Yeah, it, it, the thing is, uh, chiropractors do good work. We get patients better. The key is, did we document it? And I'll just simply put down, if you do a service, make sure it's documented. It frankly is not hard. There's just unique things you have to have. In addition, you have to make sure that if you have a time code, the time is there. When you're doing an E&M service, one of the things we teach at the seminar is that if you're billing a 99203, are you aware of what's required? Don't just go, I think I did. You're going to know because you're going to say, oh, I did 14 bullets. I know I qualified for that. Or if I did only 11 bullets, then it's a 99202. So that way you end all the guesswork and it can become something pretty simple because you learn obviously and understand lots of things. And it's a matter of just knowing, oh, that's all I need for that or the eight minute rule. So if you're doing exercise, by example, if you do only five minutes, it's not codable. You know, you can't bill for it. But if you're doing at least eight minutes, you can bill one unit. The second unit doesn't begin until you do 23 minutes. So even though it says a 15-minute code, you have to understand the eight-minute rule, which means eight minutes into each. And once you get that, it frankly is not hard. In fact, often I think doctors undercharge because they forget to count the minutes. By example, if you're doing two uh, therapies, let's say you're doing some type of uh, massage for 10 minutes and you do exercise for 10 minutes, the total time is 20 minutes. If that's what you're documenting, you can't build two units, meaning you can't build a unit of each. However, what if you really were specific in documentation, really watched the time, and you spent 12 minutes on one service and 11 minutes on the other for a total of 23 minutes? Now you can build two units. So that may seem nitpicky, but I say it's not hard. You just want to start documenting in such a way that you can make it easy for someone to look at the notes and go, did you qualify for what you built for? And generally, I will say chiropractors do a lot of services. Just make sure when you're doing them, Record them, make it easy, get a protocol set up in your office that allows you to do that. By example, I just use exercise as one. If you were to hire a trainer at a gym, they would probably give you and follow you, but they would give you a list of exercises to perform, tell you the sets and reps. And then as you go through, they would mark them down. Well, in a chiropractic office, if you're doing an exercise rehab, I would do the same thing. You're going to give the patient a list of maybe 10 core exercises for the lumbar spine. And maybe it's four sets of 10. So as you do the four sets of 10, you just document each time they've done them and then tell me how much time they spent. You could mark it down that they spent 14 minutes or you could say it started at 10.01 and ended at 10.15. Either way, notice you're just documenting what was done. And again, it could be a list. It could be one even with pictures to make it easy to see what the patient's doing. But I think we make this too hard because we, we think of insurance as this big monolith. Insurance are just looking for you did something you build me for it. If I look at your records, is it there? And again, I can't imagine it wouldn't be because why would you do a protocol that you can't go back and look at? So one of the, the things I tell doctors to do to make your documentation easy, take a look at your notes. And I would question if another provider, another chiropractor could pick up those notes and do the same thing, your notes are good. That's just a simple way of thinking about that. Your notes should be in such a way that another provider could read what you've done and perform it. Now, whether or not we all agree with what one doctor does or another, I don't really care, but it's just, doc, so if I were to say I did manipulation to cervical and thoracic spines, and then I did ultrasound to the right shoulder 0.5 watts at six minutes in the posterior deltoid, and then we did, uh, you know, four sets of 10 of shoulder abduction and flexion with 10 pounds, you could repeat that. And if those notes are there, that would be adequate. The only thing, of course, for the exercise is mark the time. Awesome. So your, your way, uh, your method of, of helping Kairos make more money is number one, just, just bill for what you actually do. Stop, uh, stop 
stop uh, giving away the farm by just not writing it down, right? Exactly. And then secondly, secondly, just have decent enough documentation to support what you're doing. And then probably third, or maybe this would be second, and the other third is you're saying, look at the different codes that are allowable in your area or for the providers you work with, the insurance carriers you work with, and make sure that you have a protocol to go to build the correct codes when they're available for the service you're doing. Exactly. So if you think, I'll give an example. My father was a chiropractor and he did a lot of infrared heat. And that was something he initially put on most patients really just to help them relax. Uh-huh. He put them in there, get them on the heat. They could you know, calm down. They could breathe. Right. That was something he never charged for because he felt that was just kind of part of the overall service. He would often do a few minutes of that vibratory massage, kind of a genie rub style thing. He never built for that either because only spent a few minutes. But the things that were significant, he built for. So I'll tell an office, don't be afraid to have something you might say, oh, okay, that's just something I like to do. I do a, a little setup for my manipulation. However, when you get into a lot of detail, when you're doing an exercise rehab program, that's not simple. That would be something you go, okay, that's enough high value I want to do for that. I'm not afraid for billing for everything. You just have to make sure, can I justify multiple services? Generally, multiple services, probably one modality, and then maybe one uh, therapeutic activity or exercise. But the therapeutic activity or exercise, you're probably going to do multiple units. Because one thing I would state, if someone's doing an exercise rehab, no one's ever been to the gym and go, oh my God, I worked out for 15 minutes and I'm in such great shape. <laughs> well, you hold know, on. Like, on the infomercials, they claim that if you do, you know, 20 minutes of the, uh, the abysizer, you know, twice a week that you'll have six pack abs and, and 4% body fat. So yeah, well, that, in commercial, it works. <laughs> in the commercial, of course, but it, you, you see the point. I mean, it takes time. Now I'm not saying we have to turn someone into, you know, some type of bodybuilder, you know, fitness uh, guru, but it does mean in order for something to really be useful, I generally say it's probably a good 20 to 30 minutes consistently done, maybe three times a week. Uh, for two to four weeks. And generally with exercise or any of those active care, in order for it to really take effect, it's probably a minimum of two weeks, but I'd say four to six. If you look at most protocols when it comes to putting person in exercise rehab, and when I say protocols, I'm talking about through physical therapy, chiropractic, other evidence-based, it generally says four to six weeks. Now, I'm not saying we have to go that long, but it's not hard to justify why did you do it for six? Because we had to fully reform and restore the strength and flexibility to stabilize the area from future injury, but also to rehabilitate it to get back to its, you know, regular ADL, if you will. Yeah. And that, that's not going to occur with one visit of, you know, like you said, 15 minutes. So that's fantastic. Now, specific question for you along the world, of the lengths of exercise. If people want to leverage staff to, to teach the exercise, if they want to hire some strength coaches or personal trainers and, you know, train them up in what they're looking for, does, insurance allow for that? Is that state specific? Is it carrier specific? How how can they go about finding out if they can do that? Okay. Well, the first thing we do is you have to look at your specific state and what they allow you to do within scope of practice. Now, frankly, I'm not aware of any state that doesn't allow a chiropractor to pretty much do all physical medicine type services as part of a chiropractic protocol or adjunct. That being said, most states do allow to have a staff person that staff person then is delegated to do the service. So for instance, I could be in room one adjusting a patient, but I have my staff person doing exercise with another patient in another room and that's billable. Generally, so long as you're in the office, you don't have to be in the room, but in the office, you can delegate that service and bill under that person. However, I'd warn everyone, verify with your state. There are a few states, uh, Florida specifically does require someone to have a specific chiropractic assistance license. 
Many states don't. California, New York, and others don't require it. So I'd say check with your state, but most do have a, an ability to delegate. And you could potentially have, let's say you're a busy office, you're treating, adjusting four to eight people per hour. Perfect. Okay. Instead of you going in the room and doing the exercise, I would delegate that to a staff person to be more efficient. Do the things only the doctor can do. But the staff doing those other things. So if you have other ancillary services, such as exercise, so forth, have the staff supervise that. Now, that doesn't mean the staff is not trained. It means the staff has to properly supervise, make sure it's done well. And so it can't just be them sitting there watching, but really instructing for safety and other things. That, to me, is very reasonable and makes sense because that way a patient, can you imagine if you're adjusting someone and then doing 30 minutes of rehab yourself? You can only see one or two people per hour. But if I adjust four or eight people, if I have enough staff, that staff person then can be supervising. And there's actually, if you have a group, let's say you have four patients, you have a big open exercise room and you have four patients, maybe one person's over on the Swiss ball doing abdominal curls. You have another person doing some hamstring stretches. Maybe another person's on the bike. And I'm just giving some, they don't have to all be yeah, on right. the same thing. We build what's called a group therapy code. And the group therapeutic activity code is 97150. And you bill it for each person in the group. Now, the difference there is it can't be billed for units. It's one unit per person, no matter how much time. So unlike exercise 97110, where you can bill multiple units, at least this way, you can have many people. So instead of your office being clogged with people waiting, you might have an open area. And that way, people can come in, get started. They're being supervised. And if you think of it, if you look at most physical therapy facilities, you'll probably notice one distinct thing. Number one, it's a gym because they've gotten, they don't do much on passive care. Number two, it's very open. They don't have individual rooms and they have people all in there doing various things, but they only have maybe two or three therapists supervising maybe eight or 10 people. And that way it's maximizing the efficiency of the office, but also maximizing for the patient because as a patient, who wants to wait after treatment 30 minutes before you can start your rehab? You want to start right away. So if you have the space and the staff, you can do one-on-one. If not, you might have an open area where you have one or two staff, you know, potentially supervising several people at the same time. I love it. I love it, Sam. Say that code again. That was the group therapy. I just want everybody to look group, that up. If you're group in therapeutic show. activities and it's 97150. 97150. Yeah. Awesome. And this is a kind of, uh, this is why I had Sam on the interview today, guys. And, and if you're listening, uh, you know, the, the man is just a, a a cornucopia, an encyclopedic knowledge of all the intricacies of, of insurance to help you find codes like that that you might not even know existed because I think, you know, the way I was taught uh, insurance was the codes that were billed by the guy I was working for. And I would say that we build the same seven codes on probably 95% of everybody, you know, and so you don't even know these other codes are out there because you just have never seen them. So I think this is fantastic that you're sharing this with everybody. And, uh, and this is the kind of information you, sent, you share both at the seminars and in your um, network, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and truthfully, though, there, a lot of offices do may only have about six or seven services they provide a lot. And that's simply because people come with the same condition. So you're going to do very similar, not always exact, but similar things. I would just say most need to add a rehab component. I would implore anyone listening, take a moment just to do even a Google search, frankly, for evidence-based care plans for spine injuries. And you will find, hands down, every single one indicates patients need active rehabilitation, which essentially means exercise. Right. Right. If you're not including exercise, it's a disservice to your patient. Now, most chiros do have exercise, but then they simply tell the patient, go home and do A, B, and C which is fine. But my concern is 
is the patient going to follow that? Do they do it properly? So I'm not saying we need to turn into 24-hour fitness. However, I would suggest at least for the first few weeks, make sure the patient has direct, direct contact, doing the exercise properly, safely, and frankly, doing them. Because if I send you home to do exercise and you don't do them, all of a sudden, three weeks later, you're not getting better. My care plan looks like there's something wrong when, in fact, it's only wrong because the patient didn't complete their end of it. So, again, as we go along, probably you should give the patient more and more home duties. But you're going to start with being very aggressive at the beginning because, obviously, let's say you have a a post-ACL injury. When you go to rehab, they're not just going to say, okay, go home and do leg extensions, which you could do at home, frankly. Why do they have you do them in the office? Because you have to be pushed. You have to make sure you're doing them safely. You have to make sure you're doing all the sets and reps to really make it happen. So I think chiros need to take hold. You're the expert at dealing with back pain. Make sure you're doing all the things you can to facilitate that patient's recovery. And the good news is it's obviously billable. We want to get paid for our services, but ultimately it's the best service we can provide for our patient. Hey, we'll get right back to our interview with Sam Collins after this. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. And the reason we started a gym was we would have people better. We'd send them off to uh, work with their gym or their personal trainer, whoever they worked with, and then they'd be back for six weeks later because they fell into old habits. And one of the great things you can do is is train them out of those old habits, but it takes intense supervision and and knowledge and expertise and all those things are best uh, are best created or maintained in your office and bill for it. You know, yeah, exactly. You've got to have control. You want to make sure your patient because it, it would be very easy to kind of let the patient take control. And then you go, oh, well, it's not working. If you think of why most people on diets fail is because they don't have the supervision and accountability. We want an right. accountability. The manipulation obviously is the most important factor. However, in conjunction with exercise, that has been shown to be the best protocol for dealing with most back injuries. So therefore, I would recommend take control of that. In fact, it's what chiropractic really has been about forever. Chiropractors have always emphasized active care. I think we got away from it a bit with the insurance is paying so much for, you know, passive things like, you know, massage. But I think as everyone listening to this knows, massage and manual therapy have gotten difficult to be paid for because they want separate areas. And I go, why are we fighting for that when, in fact, the best possible care anyway is exercise? Now, acute phase, few visits, I get it. But I would get that person exercising as soon as possible so that we can really restore what they've lost. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think we've, uh, we've, we've hit that point. Uh, we've covered that point enough. And I want to just move on real quick because I, I know that your time is precious here, Sam. Uh, in the last few minutes of this, I'd love to, to discuss with you. I hear a lot of young chiropractors coming out of school. Uh, they hit me up. They're interested in, in adding a gym to their clinic. Um, and a lot of them talk about getting into insurance. That there's some fear there to accept insurance. They say, I don't want to deal with all the headaches and, um, you know, uh, they don't pay. And my thing is when you're coming out of school and you're brand new, uh, I always think take every client you can get. You know, you don't have the luxury of saying no just yet. You know, go after everybody you can. And insurance certainly lowers that barrier to entry. Unless you're some amazing person that uh, 
you were a guru before you ever entered school, but that's not most of the people I'm dealing with. Uh, do you have any tips you could give people who are just starting out into their career of chiropractic on how to get going with insurance, any resources, anything that you could offer them that would kind of help them be able to accept it in a way that helps them get started, feed their family, uh, you know, and, and really make a go of their, their initial foray into chiropractic practice? Okay, well, here's what I, I would start with first. When you come out of practice, number one, what makes your practice grow are patients. And if you could do 100% cash practice, everyone comes in and pays you, that'd be wonderful. But the numbers won't be there. I, I will tell you, I'm not against it. And I think you should have a practice that is diverse. The key is don't take bad insurance. And this is where one of the things we teach at our seminars, providers go in thinking every insurance is good. And they're not. And there's nothing wrong with cherry picking. For instance, when you go to a medical clinic, you'll notice it says in there, insurance accepted. It doesn't say all. You could go to certain places and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't take your plan. There's nothing wrong with you doing that. We're always selective. So if someone comes in with a good pay, paying plan, I accept them. If they don't, I don't. They, I just let them know they're going to be cash. Insurance can pay well. At the end of the day, think of it. There are 320 million people in America. Of that 320 million, about 90% have health insurance. Now, some of that insurance can vary and not be very good. But the bottom line is when someone has insurance, guess what? They're going to want to use it. And if yeah. you don't know how to help them use it, it's going to be a problem. I want to make sure that I can at least use the insurance to give the patient the best possible benefit, even if you're 100% cash. If I come to you and I pay you $80, but then you give me a receipt or you send a bill for me and I get back 40 of it, I'm much happier. In addition, when someone has insurance and they're not paying as much, they're more likely to follow through with the protocol. Think of it. How many people would go to the doctor if they didn't have insurance? Most would not when someone has high deductible. So that's a separate issue we deal with. But insurance is going to bring you still a bulk of patients. I teach seminars to thousands of chiropractors every year and a half for the last 20. The most successful practices, and when I say successful, I'm going to talk about it just from a monetary standpoint, are the ones that deal with insurance. That's just the end of the day. Now, there are definitely those that can do all cash and do very well. I'm not against that. I think that's important. And in fact, I would suggest, why would you be exclusive? If someone has good insurance, I take it. If they don't, I tell them what we offer for prompt pay. Simple as that. And that's one of the things we emphasize at the seminar is that you don't want to be so exclusive that you're not allowing yourself to accept. I'll give an example. Aetna insurance can vary and that you have some plans that will pay very little, but other plans that will pay almost 100% of what you bill. And these are the nuances you want to pick up on. So if you ever have a patient come to you with a plan that says Aetna open choice, you're going to welcome them because that is a high paying plan that you bill what you do. They pay it. It's reasonable, not an issue. At the same token, if someone comes with American Specialty Health or ASH, that's a $26 plan. You might go, I don't want to be part of that. And I have no problem with not joining any of those, but certainly not turning them away. Think of a personal injury patient. Think of a person coming in for personal injury and you're 100% cash. And your visit is say 125 to 150 a visit. How many of us can afford to pay, say, $450 per week for 10 weeks to a chiropractor? Most of us won't. So I'm going to certainly take that one, assuming there's good what they call med pay or PIP on the claim. I would take it. So in other words, you know what I'm saying? Cherry pick. Don't be exclusive. In fact, even a cash office, frankly, cherry picks. You know what I mean by that? Do you take people who can't pay for you? No. Same thing. Insurance. Keep a list in your office of what insurance is good or bad. One of the things we do at our seminars is a chance to go over, hey, what's happening in the area? 
What is a good plan? What is a bad plan? What's happening? I suggest other chiropractors join their state association, meet with the doctors, go to the meetings, start to get on the ground so you're hearing what's good and bad and know which ones are better. For instance, Blue Cross Blue Shield can be great in most instances, but if you're dealing with Medicaid, not so good. Medicare pays for manipulation. Why wouldn't I take these patients? It's there's no friction, right? There's no yeah. friction to having them walk in the door. They pay a couple bucks and they get a great service. They get a great service. And so I, I'd say, don't be afraid. My rule is I want, hopefully every doctor does what they want and, and is happy because I, I want, you know, chiropractors to feel satisfied. It's not all about money. But what I have found where offices really have a tendency to feel like they're really doing well, can afford and have a good lifestyle is when they're doing about a hundred plus patient visits a week whether it's cash or insurance. If you're doing 100 plus per week, you're probably generating a couple hundred thousand minimally, maybe it's 500. And you just do the numbers, you can see it go up even at a $50 visit. Well, how am I gonna get 100 if you're in the right area when people have insurance? If you're not taking them, I'll give an example. I have insurance I pay a lot of money for. And if I'm going to- I, I go someplace else because I pay too much money to not use my insurance. Right, yeah. And do you have a, uh, any any- can, can recent grads or new grads come to your seminars and kind of start off on the right foot that way? Oh, yeah. It's one thing. If you have graduated from a school in California in the last 15 years, uh, Palmer West started it, but Southern California University of Health Sciences and Life all have me come in to speak to the students before they graduate and give a couple hour primer just on what practice is like, how you deal with it. And I will certainly say I'm not against having a cash practice. I'm saying a balanced one. And when they come out, I think they have a better knowledge because you come out with this idealism in your head and then you get frustrated by, oh, how could this happen? Come to a seminar and learn the nuances. What I will tell people is that none of it is hard. It's just different. And so the frustration is when it's different, you get mad and you're upset. Like Medicare, frankly, pays you about $40 a visit on average. You just have to know what they're looking for. Medicare is not hard. And Medicare, if you know everyone listening, be aware by 2036, more than half of the population of the United States will have Medicare. So if you're not understanding how that works, the trend is moving that you better understand how that works. Now, again, it's not hard, but it's a little different and it's nuanced, but not a big deal. Come to the seminar. I'll tell you within an eight hour day, you get continuing education, eight hours. It's the mandatory hours because we deal with ethical billing and coding, but it also gives you a chance to get a hundred page manual. So all the code you're ever going to bill, whether diagnosis or CPT in our handout how to document them. And I would suggest everyone come once a year to get updated because as you're well aware, things do update. There's codes that update or change. Just this past year, we had a change with the orthotic fitting and training code. There was some codes changed for stenosis. So it's one of the reasons we have continued education, but more importantly, keep yourself fresh, understand the nuances. And generally what I find is someone comes to our seminar, your practice is going to be better because you understand it. And the best part is we also talk about fees and relative value. I don't tell you how much to charge. But once you can tell me what you are charging, I can give you ways of calculating the relative fees for other codes to make sure that you're staying in the right range and not leaving money on the table. Most chiros undercharge for several services. And of course, if an insurance is willing to pay you 60, but you only bill 30, they're only going to pay you 30. So I want to make sure you know when I'm billing a $60 code, I do charge 60. And when I'm billing a $30 code, I should bill 30. Yeah. And, and by the way, for those listening, no insurance company has ever come back and said, hey, by the way, I know, Sam, that you charge 30, but other providers in your area are charging us 55 when we're paying it. Right. Exactly. exactly. And, that, so, that, and that's definitely why you need to get this type of information, because otherwise you're coming out stabbing in the wind, not knowing and yeah. getting information from someone else who's also frustrated. And I, they I'll just you a bad habit. I, one of the you just reminded me of like the biggest change our, our office had once we had gone to your seminar was 
we had, you know, when you're opening up a practice and you're like, oh, I need a fee schedule. You have to submit your fee schedule for every insurance you're credentialed with and whatnot. We searched online, like I'm sure a hundred people do, right? And we got one. Now, what we didn't know is that fee schedule was eight, seven or eight years old. Our, uh, our employee went over to your, our, our insurance builder went over to your seminar, came back with a fee schedule and it was current. It was, you know, that year's uh, updated codes and dollars and everything. And almost everything was 20 or 30% higher. And I'm not saying we collected all the money that was on there, but you gave us a current updated fee schedule from that was, it was based in information that you knew about the insurance companies, not just what we downloaded off the internet that a hundred thousand other people had downloaded before us, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's what I say too. We have to be careful where you get information. Internet is great. Google is great. But remember everything on there that's ever been posted, it will be there. And it, it, Google doesn't go with accuracy. It just goes with putting information. So always understand when you're dealing with something you're getting online, make sure you're getting it from a place that you can attest to that is willing to have a little bit of, I, I will tell anyone, you could go back and go through anything I give up as information and verify it. Because what I teach is not my opinion. I teach based on regulations, rules, laws. That way we can have something we stand behind. So when we see a fee schedule, we'll go, okay, well, what does Medicare say about it? What is work comp? What is the fee schedule for, for that matter for the VA? So that way you've got a real basis for setting a fee schedule. That's fair. That's all we want. We want a fair, reasonable fee schedule. We're not asking for more. We just want to be paid what's fair, what's reasonable, and provide those services and go through and say, you know what? I don't want hassles. I don't want to create an insurance where I'm creating hassles for myself. I want to make it simple. Yeah, that's awesome. And 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 then you have thousands of people in your network that kind of give you the, the real-time street-level feedback of how it's actually working, right? Oh, yeah. So that, that's one of the ways we, I think our seminars are often better than many out there, or I don't say better, but just keeps the information current because I'm literally talking to offices daily. And so as trends are occurring, I know what's occurring in real time because these are offices that are out there billing and getting paid. I'm not sitting here in my office just going, well, this is my opinion. No, I'm going to go with what's happening in the real world. What is this insurance company coming back with? Why are they paying or not paying for something? Well, Sam, that's why we love you. And that's why we, uh, I, I, th- I can't recommend the H.J. Ross company enough. And Sam, uh, once you join up with them, they certainly support you and give you some ideas on the front end. And you spend a weekend or at least eight hours with folks that are all trying to improve their practices. And, you know, you might hear about some services you're not even offering that don't have a huge barrier. Like exercise, a lot of people we talk to think that that means, oh, I got to build 3,000 square feet of gym. And we've seen people do it in a 10 by 10 space and, you know, have a nice little revenue stream from that extra room you have. So uh, give me a hallway with a doorway and I can attach therabands and do other things and do exercise there. I mean, it's nice if you have a big, great, big facility, that's wonderful. It doesn't necessarily require that. In fact, I would tell people, be careful of overbuilding with stuff, do things that the patient could do more on their own. So if you look at a physical therapy facility, you'll notice there's not a lot of machines in there, but a lot of open space and lots of varied type of equipment to assist a person doing functional exercise as opposed to, you're not going to put a bench press in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much to the uh, chagrin of all the 25 year old males walking in, right? Well, yeah. I mean that, that but that's, you know what, that, that's not chiropractic care. That's just ego. Like how much can you bench? I want to know how functional is the shoulder? What can your rotator cuff do? And I've got to work more of those supportive muscles than the big push muscles. Cool. Well, Sam, uh, this has been certainly inf- informational for me and I hope it is for others listening. Once again, can you throw out your website and how people can get a hold sure. of you and work with you? Absolutely. Just go to the website. The website is HJ Ross. So H J R O S S and then company spelled in full.com. 
Once on that site, we offer four things. You'll see there's seminars. Click on seminars, click on live update. You'll go there. There's the network. Click on the network. There's a little video explains it. But the network is simply once you join, you have direct access to me 24-7. We also offer our digital coding manual, and this updates. The nice thing about our digital coding is you don't have to buy something new. When a code updates, we automatically update it. So, for instance, this October 1st, diagnosis codes update. They'll be automatically updated there. We also offer a HIPAA service as well for uh, privacy issues. So if you're running into those, so those are our four main things that we have there. But again, access that anytime from there. The phone number, you can always get a hold of us. It's 800-562-3335. But better than remember, just go to the site, hjrosscompany.com. Fantastic. Well, Sam, on uh, behalf of all my listeners, thank you very much. And thank you for what you're doing for chiropractors, helping them find more money in their current practice and and being able to live the life uh, that they dream of. And on that note, as I always say, uh, on behalf of Sam Collins from the H.J. Ross Company, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks, Sam. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.